Welcome back to the fourth episode of Psych Mike, where Amanda and Emerson talk about some psychology myths. So a couple of weeks ago, we did ask on our Instagram account for Mupa. We were asking and we were putting out a little survey to see what kind of psychology myths you guys would like us to debunk and talk about. So thank you guys so much for the responses given. Out of all the responses, we kind of chosen uh, two topics that we want to focus on mainly today. And those two topics uh, revolve around personality traits and self-diagnosis. So we're going to start off with personality traits. When it comes to personality traits, the general myth around it is that um, things like your blood type or your horoscope is able to, d- to determine your personality trait. And maybe uh, in Western society, perhaps it's not as prominent, but in Asia, there's actually this, co- this concept, this idea that your blood type can actually affect your personality. Yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's prominent to the point where, like, friends or couples going on the first date will ask, like, oh, what's your blood type and see if we're compatible. Wow, that is, that yeah. is quite forward on the first date. <laughs> yeah, I'm not joking. And it's like, uh, okay, if you're blood type A, you have this kind of temperament. If you're blood type B, you're that kind of temperament. Then it's, okay, it's 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 very interesting. And this um, idea that your blood type can actually affect your personality trait kind of originated, or from my research, it has it originates from uh, Japan. Wow. Mm-hmm. And in Japan, it's called. I don't study Japanese, so please. <laughs> <laughs> My pronunciation is going to be so wrong, but uh, Ketsueki Gata. <laughs> awesome. What does that mean? Okay, so it's, it's basically um, the belief, which is like over 90 years, th- that the person's blood group significantly contributes to their demeanor. Uh, however, and I'm going to cite an APA citation. Mm, uh, professional. <laughs> yes, very pro- professional, but um, basically... Uh, by Muni Tanmayi Bondu has actually done a proper research on whether there is a correlation between blood type and personality um, through the statistical analysis of 100 adults. Um, and it's using personality tests, like the Big Five personality traits model, and their blood type, no correlation was found. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it makes sense to a certain extent. Uh, but I think people just kind of believe that, especially from a biological point of view, mm. your blood type could affect, like, I don't know, your DNA or something. I'm not sure how, like, to what extent people believe in it and, mm. like, why, what is the justification for that belief. But um, from research, no correlation can actually support it. So bear that in mind. My question is, how did people know which blood type they had years and years ago? I mean, I didn't think that people, you know, from, say, 100 years ago had the scientific ability to take a blood test and work out what their blood type was. Like, how? That's a good point, actually. I'm not sure. That's probably... That has to do with the history of, of science, like, actually learning about how to determine your, your blood type, but... Maybe it was for over ninety years. years, yeah, perhaps like ever since 
the blood types were able to be to be determined. They've already sort of had that kind of belief, but it's just so funny. Like it, it does not. There's no correlation. So on a first date, you got to stop asking <laughs> your your partner. Like, so what blood type are you, and are we compatible or not? And it's oh. it's just so funny. There's also um, like another study from uh, Tokeji Furukawa. Once again, my pronunciation. I don't study Japanese. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it sounds. Sound <laughs> It's like there's 640 subjects, and the purpose of the study was to de- determine uh, the relationship between temperamental traits and blood type. And this is all the way from. Let me, let me try and take a look. These are recent studies, aren't they? Oh no, the one that says no correlation is a recent study. Okay. This one by Tokeji Furukawa is not, and that's why I'm saying that like it kind of originates from. Tokyo, perhaps. Okay. Because this is a study that was um, basically grouping people um, into group A and group B. And if you study psychology, like your research uh, methodology, you'll find that this is actually a very problematic um, way of grouping the participants because it, it, look, group A is a person who is optimistic. Group B is a person who is meek. Group A is strong-willed. Group B is not strong-willed. It's very polarizing extremes of like grouping your participants. And And so subjective. I mean, who determines if you're optimistic? You'll just be having a bad day and seem pessimistic. Yeah, right. So they just group the participants in group A and then group B. And then they try to find a correlation between their blood types. And this is one of the studies that actually started the belief I think, or at least solidified the belief that your blood type is able to determine your personality traits. Because mm. the conclusion was so simple. It, it like In a very simple sentence, we have shown that there seems to be a correlation between blood type and temperament, which, you know, up to this point, it has to be debunked. There is no correlation. Absolutely. Just as well, that's... Yeah. It's crazy. I can't believe that there was actually a study done on this and <laughs> they said there was a correlation... Right. And, and so different researchers, um, you said, have since debunked this, so to speak, and mm-hmm. said there's actually no correlation between blood type and personality traits. Yeah, and so on that note, there has also been um, the belief that horoscopes, that like your star signs, are able to determine your personality trait, which... This just gets better and better. <laughs> <laughs> which, again, also is not there is no correlation found i'm so sorry <laughs> and th- and on that note as well there is a term called paranormal determinism which is the belief that human personality and behaviors are directly determined by the influence of paranormal factors so you know star signs mm. and this can actually be a source of prejudice towards disadvantaged groups. So, again, wow. APA citation. This is by <laughs> Michael Dambrin <laughs> uh, in 2004 from Social Behavior and Personality. So, the conclusion and, like, the general discussion was that the belief in, in astrology is positively and significantly related to both ethnic prejudice and prejudice towards overweight people. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, exactly. So Unbelievable. Yeah, so I feel like the, it's just not good to believe in, in paranormal things. So no. to think that, I mean, I understand if it could provide some sense of reassurance, 
yeah. if you said, you know, you had a particular horoscope and there were really positive personality traits, it might, you know, make you feel good to read that. But in reality, there's no scientific evidence to support this. So it's, it needs to be debunked. It's not something that you should be relying on to determine your personality. Um, and that's also another thing. It's a very fixed sort of concept. I mean, personality, we know, can evolve over time. Yes. Depending on different life experiences and your environment, um, as well as to some extent your genetics. So it, it doesn't really make sense to kind of put that in, in the fate of a horoscope. Yeah, so it's, it's very dangerous waters. I mean, listen to this. The more they believe in astrology, the more they express negative attitudes towards overweight people. Wow. The more the participants believe in astrology, the more they attribute poverty and the disadvantaged position of Arabs in France to internal causes. So... My gosh. Yeah, the more the participants make internal attributions, which is like fueled by their belief in astrology, the more they express prejudice. So it's very dangerous to actually believe in these types of things, whether it's just based on your personality trait, like you're trying to figure out your identity because maybe you're a bit insecure about it and you're not very sure. But it's very dangerous waters to actually believe in it. And there's also... Like you brought up the point that your personality can actually evolve over time, which brings me to the topic of like MBTI, mm. which it is they have a mass following. Absolutely, it's so popular. I mean, I have to admit, I did do a test. I on did six too. I'm INTPT. <laughs> what are you? I'm INFPT. Mm-hmm. So very similar. Yeah. So uh, the MBTI, or I think it's called sixteen personalities. I'm not mm. quite sure. They have a mass following. They do. And people genuinely believe that a, I forgot how many questions it was, but like a bunch of questions uh, as a questioner can actually help determine their personality. And I suppose, especially because um, MBTI or 16 personalities, they give a description of whatever personality personality type that you get at the end of the the questionnaire they get they give very detailed descriptions Mm. like whether it's um in your relationship your friendship the way that you work so it can be very convincing for people that are still trying to figure out their own personality and their identity so people can be very susceptible to these kinds of things i mean just think about like the um whether you see it on TikTok or Instagram posts, Instagram reels, it's like um, they have these kinds of things where you look at a picture, right? And then, oh, what do you see first determines your personality trait, right? Yes, I've seen those. Yeah, they're everywhere. So all of these things, um, anything that claims, I think, to try to describe or determine your personality type, your personality trait, is it can be a very slippery slope. Mm, Absolutely. And like I just said, there can be... Paranormal determinism can be a great source of prejudice. And there are many other things that we need to consider as well. I mean, especially with, for example, if you have... um, What's the term again? Confirmation bias. Mm. When you approach a certain questionnaire with confirmation bias, then it's it's just not going to be a very good result. It's not very it's not very valid or relevant. So it's very dangerous if you want to try true. and do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, 
So now we're going to move on to the next topic that we received some questions on, and that is self-diagnosis. So just a disclaimer before we get into this conversation, um, we don't believe that it is inherently a bad thing to self-diagnose. In some situations, it can absolutely be helpful and sometimes it's necessary, especially because not everyone has the means to receive a medical diagnosis. But there are certain instances in which it can become dangerous. So, for example, if you have, I don't know, a headache and um, you type that into Google to work out the cause of it, perhaps it's a persistent headache, the search engine algorithms will prioritise the most severe conditions when you conduct a general search, like, why do I have a headache? So it's quite likely that the, one of the first things to pop up will be, you have a brain tumour. <laughs> and look, it sounds silly to say, but it could really scare someone who is feeling quite vulnerable or you know, is, is highly anxious, um, for example, about their health. So it's important to remember that a professional diagnosis is always the right thing um, to go by. And obviously there are some accessibility issues, unfortunately, for some people. Um, and that's, I guess, up to the system now to make their services more accessible to, to um, disenfranchised groups. But conducting a general search on Dr Google is not always bad. It really depends on the context. Um, I don't know, I found myself doing it sometimes and I just want to get to the bottom of something. And it, it might just be a really minor sort of health blip. But how about you? Have you, have you done that, Amanda, as well? Uh, you know what? Because I was actually uh, back in college because I was taking A-levels and I was like really stressed. It was an express course. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And like, w especially when exams came around, it felt really overwhelming. Yeah. And I just did, I, f I could feel myself not being in the best mental state, uh, especially at the time because I was taking psychology as a subject. Oh, <laughs> so you knew yeah. all about that. Yeah, and I was studying about depression or anxiety, right? Oh, awesome. And so uh, when you study psychology uh, in A-levels, you actually learn about the different um, skills, questionnaires, inventories, like for the back depression uh, inventory. Okay. So I, I had access to these kinds of questionnaires and like how to determine or diagnose yourself with depression. And so I, in all honesty, like I was doing one of the questionnaires just to see if like, w just to assess my mental health at the moment. But bear in mind, I was properly informed of like how relevant, how valid, how accurate these skills are. Mm. And so I still wouldn't diagnose myself Per se, I wouldn't self-diagnose myself, but I would say that, um, okay, so after doing this um, depression uh, questionnaire, I, I have a high score, and that would mean that perhaps I'm not in the best mental state right now, and I may be going through something, but I still wouldn't say that I have depression because I am very well informed of the limitations of these questionnaires. Mm. So... That's really the key difference, isn't it? It's the quality of the information that you're yes. searching out if you have um you know a depression inventory that is you know what a uh, mental health specialist would probably use or a gp mm -hmm. would use if you went to them and say i'm not feeling the best at the moment can you can help me see what's going on that's very very different to typing into google yeah. why do i feel down all the time and especially for like people that may not study psychology and may not be the most informed about um, different mental illnesses. When you type into Google and you're searching like, um, do I have depression? 
there can be unscientific uh, results coming out. And they are like blog posts that mm. tell you that, oh, perhaps you're not being, you're not feeling the best. And because of this, you, you may have depression or something like that. Those are not very scientific sources that you should be going to, but that is w- the, the kind of information that can come up and what the general population will be provided with. Absolutely. If that's what's most accessible, that's what most people will probably you know, be referring to. And, and um, of course, when your sources and your um, research is not evidence-based, that can you know, sometimes even make the condition worse if you're led to believe you have a false yes. diagnosis. Or you could even, you know, attempt to treat a non-existing condition. So exactly, it really just depends on, I guess, the quality of the sources and how informed you are. I mean, you were very lucky at the time to be studying yeah. psychology. And <laughs> you have, you that have to be very critical about the you information do. that you're provided. But it's like, it's one thing to want to be critical. And there's another thing where, you know, how critical can you be with limited um, information? Absolutely. If you're not taught uh, of the subject, you're, you're just not going to be able to look at it from the best perspective possible. Especially if you're not feeling, I mean, if you have some sort of mental um, symptoms as well, where you might be feeling you know, quite down, you might not be in the right frame of mind to be critical. You you're might just very want, vulnerable. You're very vulnerable. You might just take the first answer that you're given, which might not be correct. So that's, I guess, where the benefit of that second person stepping in as a professional Mm. comes in and they can look at the situation objectively and then there's just another thing because like on tiktok and instagram reels right it's it's going everywhere it's like oh if you're feeling this 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 you could have depression and it's like that's not how you determine um depression actually and who are these people who are making the post i mean they have like (laughs) some sort of degree in like psychology or they have an actual following and there's like a lot of if you look at like the likes and the comments and the shares right it's crazy the amount of people that actually you know agree with them and actually use them as as an actual reference for their uh, mental health to assess their own mental health which i mean i can uh, look i can understand why there's these accounts are so popular and these um posts are so popular especially because at the moment there is such a um a lack of mental health professionals and often if you know you're booking to see one you're on a wait list for a long time so I understand that people want to have some sort of certainty and find the answers on their own or from other people who claim to be knowledgeable Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day as we said before it could do more harm than good so it's it's just about being yeah as critical as you can like just just another point Mm. on like how why it's dangerous it's also like when again if you approach these kinds of things with a confirmation bias kind of um, idea, you could be diagnosing yourself with something that you don't have or it could further perpetuate your own belief into thinking that you have some kind of mental illness. Because for some reason right now, uh, especially since uh, mental health is a really big thing on social media, it almost seems like people want some kind of mental illness they want to diagnose themselves with something which uh again brings us to the topic of like if you're very insecure about your identity or you're insecure about um trying to fit in um and trying to assess yourself you could try to do personality uh tests to see what you are and how you are and you're going to try and find some kind of illness mental illness or not to try and determine 
where you stand. So, again, if you're insecure about your identity, obviously this is not any kind of judgment that we're trying to give. But no, no. Yeah, but it's not the best approach. You can, you know, identify yourself as someone that likes knitting or that someone that likes studying. Please don't identify, identify yourself as someone that has depression or anxiety. Uh, oh, yeah, you go on. Yeah, and there's also another thing. It's like uh, self-diagnosing yourself with, like, multiple personality disorders. Because That's I, a very complex yeah. condition. That's not the thing that you can diagnose on your own. Yeah, and it's like I have had, um, like some mutuals actually say that, oh, yeah, I have multiple personality disorder. And it's like, no, you don't. I'm so sorry, but you don't because you don't act in that way. Like a change of tone when you talk or like being a little bit different uh, with different people Mm. is is not a multiple personality disorder. No. I think that also comes into play um, when people kind of throw around professional terms like clinical anxiety, clinical depression, like multiple personality disorder. When you throw those terms around in general conversation, their meaning can change and take on, you know, different things depending on which context you're in. But in reality, as psychology students, we know (laughs) that those conditions can only be diagnosed with the help of the DSM-5, which is essentially a a manual that contains all of the Mm. known mental health conditions for a professional to diagnose it's not something that you can do on your own. There's a reason why psychologists yes. go to uni for so long. Yeah, and it's like it, it's good to have to talk about mental illnesses and mental health in your daily conversations. Obviously, Absolutely. that is good, but you have to take on a more professional, more scientific perspective. And so, like in general conversation, day to day, when you say oh, I'm feeling a little bit depressed, that that's not depression. No, it's not. Yeah, and perhaps you could. Or whoever, you know, might be using that in their conversations could change that to say, I'm feeling a bit down today or I'm feeling a bit blue. Yeah. Because depression is not the same as feeling down. Yeah. And, like, when you put it so casually and saying that, like, oh, yeah, I may have depression or, yeah, I'm really I'm really feeling anxiety or something like that, it could also downplay just how severe these, um, like, properly diagnosed so, mental mm. illnesses are. I mean, these are... Mental illnesses are disabling. They are. They, they so are. it's not the best to put it in a very casual tone, and we shouldn't like kind of downplay mental illness. Absolutely, they're severe. They are very severe. I mean, I I've always been a very anxious person, and I have been diagnosed with clinical anxiety. Oh, am I so? Sorry? I mean, I, I manage it. You find ways to make it work. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it it's not the only part of my personality or you know it doesn't define me but it just it makes me um quite upset sometimes when people throw around the terms like oh I'm I'm so anxious all the time feeling anxiety is one thing but having some like a generalized anxiety disorder is very different and that requires professional diagnosis so I think there's a Mm -hmm. fine line between feeling something in like a, a single moment and like during a high period of stress, for example, and then actually living with a particular condition which requires ongoing management, as a physical condition would. Mm-hmm. Just because mental illnesses are supposedly invisible compared to um, the way that physical illnesses manifest, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that they're invalid or that people should, um, you know, not validate them, yeah, for, for what they actually are. Because they can be quite debilitating, as you said. Yeah. Okay, so that is two myths, two psychology myths debunked. 
Um, if you would like any other information, please follow us on our Instagram, which is mupa underscore unimel, and check out our website, mupaunimel.com, which we have links to our past podcasts and our blogs that can provide you with um, helpful information. So thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you for the next episode. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.